Hello there, and welcome to episode three of Mondays with Mindy. Coming to you virtually with my, as always, co-host, co-producer, and co-pilot, Christian Brescia. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Today's conversation about being a creative is with one of my favorite writers and human beings, Christian. With a wicked sense of humor and a wardrobe to match, she has become one of my dearest and most necessary New York touchstones. She's also part of a pair that I adore, her amazing husband, Harry. And with him, they have their three kiddos, Sadie, Fletch, and Ivy. They are, many times, the starting points of her articles, books, and TV shows. But what solidified our bond is how we grew up and the relationship she has with her parents, Ari and Coco Kopelman, uh, which is so similar to my own that we have deemed ourselves sisters in arms and kindred spirits. Guys and dolls, we are about to have a proper gab with the incredible Jill Kargman. Jill is a prolific writer and author and actress based in New York City. Her 2007 book, A Spoof and Commentary on Upper East Siders, of which she is one, Momzilla's, was adapted into the sensational Bravo television show, Odd Mom Out, which ran for four seasons from 2014 to 2017. A Yale graduate, Jill has written 10 books, along with Momzilla's include Wolves in Chic Clothing, <laughs> The Ex-Mrs. Hedge Fund, Arm Candy, and my recent favorite, Sprinkle Glitter on My Grave. <laughs> Her articles have appeared in Vogue, Harper's Bazaar, Town and Country, Teen Vogue, and a slew of others here and, as we like to say, across the pond. Her latest creation and, and incarnation in writing and currently vlogging the satirical character Danielle. That's Danielle with a Z. <laughs> Vogue recent, recently wrote an article entitled Danielle, the quarantine comedy character we all needed. She is constantly and voraciously creating and making me and all the people around her laugh and laugh hard. Christian, I can't wait to start today's conversation with my beloved Jill Karkman. Ladies and gentlemen, we want to welcome to the show. Jill Cartman. Thank you, guys. <laughs> welcome, welcome. I love you. Thrilled to be here. Thank you. And thank you for this state-of-the-art old school microphone. It's like bum 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 bum. A little nostalgic. Mr. Sandman. <laughs> oh yes. I love it. Uh, I love so it. we start each episode. Uh, secrets. Secrets. I've Not seen really. the Quaaludes one. I know. The Jonathan Adler Quaalude box. You know, representing my Johnny. And they're all amazing. They're all amazing. But um, Christian and I came up with 20 questions. I randomly pick five and we just start. So answer to your best. And then we just kind of do a deep dive in. Okay, great. But I thought this was a nice icebreaker. Yeah, I'm an open book, so. I love that about you. So um, um, what assumption do people make about you that are wrong? I think people make the assumption that because I live on the Upper East Side that I'm sort of just not attuned to what's going on in the rest of the world. There's that whole like coastal elite aspect of thinking that I don't have my ear to the ground and it's not true. A lot of people on the Upper East Side are more conservative, but I am a Democrat. I always have been. Everyone in my neighborhood was in the protest last night. Nice. And People, I got a lot of messages saying, wow, I'm shocked the Upper East Side is so woke, but um, they shouldn't be. It's still New York City. Right. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. There's some of them, but they're not in the city. They're all like jetted out to the Cramptons, you know? Yeah. Right. And, and we don't talk to them. But anyway. No, I don't. Yeah, I have no trouble. We don't socialize. I, I, I know of some and they are not here. <laughs> Thankfully. Exactly. Yeah. I think See we're ya. talking about a couple of the same people. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, okay. When was the last time you cried? I cried watching um, the memorial service of George Floyd. They they had showed a clip of his best friend um, just before the service with the daughter, Gigi mm-hmm. Floyd, saying, my daddy changed the world. And I just started crying. Yeah, She's six years old and won't have her dad. So that was today. Yeah. Generally, I, I feel like I cried a lot when I was younger. There was just like more uncertainty in my life. And now I have three kids. I try to really be strong for them. But I think also being vulnerable is strength. And I want them to know that I cry in front of the TV when I see the news. Um, But really, mostly they see outrage from me (laughs) screaming at the mango Mussolini that is hogging my TV. Yes. Yes. And nightmares. Oh, gosh. Soon. We pray soon. Soon. Um, Okay. This is interesting. Uh, Can you cook? What is your favorite dish to make? And if you don't cook, what is your favorite dish to consume? I do not cook. I make lunch type (laughs) foods. Like for my kids, I'll make a grilled cheese or a good turkey sandwich. I put it in this panini press or I do salads, things like that. But I am not a cook. My favorite thing to consume is actually based on the LA dish, um, the John and Vinny's (laughs) <laughs> um, rigatoni a la vodka, spicy vodka sauce. Mm. It's my favorite thing. It haunts my dreams. Every time I'm in, I'm in LA, I go twice, <laughs> once in Brentwood and once in Fairfax. Um, and I've tried to replicate it to no avail. It's never quite as good. Um, but my daughters are really, really good cooks and love that dish as well. So oh. they have made it and mm. it's, it's very good, but it's not the same, but right. yes, that is my favorite kind of dish. That's a good dish too. I've had it myself many times. Yeah. Kind of amazing. Um, who is your, this will be hard for you. I know it. Who is your favorite relative and why? Oh, that is hard. Yes. Um, you are I a family say, girl. Yeah. Mom and dad are tied. I can't choose. It's like too much. I am so happy they're now back here. I don't know if I told you that, Mindy, because we were yes. talking when they were in Palm Springs and it was 110 degrees. My mom went to the supermarket and it was like getting in an oven in the car and she was so, you know, marooned because they didn't yeah. feel like it was safe to fly. Um, but they're now back. about their concerns of flying. How did, how was their flight? It was fine. It was 60% full. So social distancing, distancing still wasn't really possible um, on JetBlue and they, you know, they tried, but it's still that circulated era. They wore the mask. They're back in New York. And um, they're great. They're great. They're fine. I was really worried. My dad is a trooper. He's 82. He's older than my mom. So I really wanted him to be, you know, healthy and well. And he's sort of immune compromised. Uh, So I feel like everything's okay now. So luckily they're back. But I would say I everything I am is because of my parents, their values, their sense of humor. Um, I owe it all to them. I just don't know what I'd do without them. And I, so many people are burying their parents right now, not just mm-hmm. of, from coronavirus, but just I'm 45, like people are losing their parents. And I just try to frame it in how lucky I am that I have them and just constantly check on them. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I pretty much talk to them seven days a week without fail. Yeah. That's well, awesome. and I was talking to Christian about that. That was kind of our first real insta bond was our rela- our shared relationship with our parents, which most of my friends do not have. So most, when we most met- Most people don't. I mean, they'll send yeah. a Mother's Day card or check in on Sundays, but it's not the right. same pull. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And lastly, <clears throat> oh, this is so good for you. What do you <laughs> splurge on? <laughs> um, 
I would say trips. We have splurged with our kids. I really think that um, travel, It's uh, there are different theories about it. And I know people who have definitely said things like, well, it's over in 10 days or something and you could buy jewelry or you could buy something that you have forever. And I do understand that. But um, I do not. I I feel like we're all going to be dead in 60 years and you can't take the or less fewer um, can't take that ring with you. But you have the memories while you have them. And for a mom, as a mom, I feel like it's part of my kids education. And one way that I can like specifically share with you that it has changed our spring. Tell me. Is that five weeks before the first COVID-19 death, we were standing in Anne Frank's bedroom. So my three kids, they complain, like they're definitely like complainers if they don't get, they have not complained once during this pandemic. They have not said one thing about shelter in place. And that is purely because we were in Amsterdam. And and I swear to you guys, that trip completely changed their behavior during the lockdown. They would have been whining. They would have freaked. But like, uh, she didn't have Netflix and Seamless, okay? (laughs) She had a closet. She had a closet with strangers. <laughs> and oh, by the way, yeah. if you go outside, you're murdered. So they yeah. have not kvetched yeah. once. And that I can attribute it specifically to the trip because there have been times in our past where I've, you know, when they were little and they would waste food and I would say like children in Africa, you know, I like turn <laughs> into my parents right. and they just didn't care when I said that it didn't have the same thing. Then we went to Zimbabwe and Zambia and saw all these villages and these kids and then they got it. So, you know, you can show pictures, you can try right. to verbalize it. It's just not the same as being there and actually inhabiting that space. So I will never stop spending on travel once the bans are lifted and we don't <laughs> all die. Ditto. But I also yeah. love that they, as I did with my parents, because my parents took us everywhere, even when they couldn't afford air travel, we got in the car and did road trips. Mm-hmm. They appreciate the life that you and Harry have created for them and given them. And to me, there's no better foundation Anyway, I just know they're going to care about you in the future (laughs) in regard to that. Well, I feel like the one thing I try to temper is that with school, a lot of people at Christmas, they say to each other, the moms too, they'll say, where are you going for Christmas? Where are you going for spring break? And I said, never ask that question. It's a rude question. Not everyone can travel. Just don't say it. You can say, what are you up to? But just like be mindful that not everyone can do that. Or they just have, you know, people have different priorities. Some people, I don't have a second home. Some people want to save up for that. Like I would rather just have one place and then see, have the rest of the world be my home. Yeah. That will always be my splurge. Same. I love it. All right. So diving into kind of the reason that Christian and I started this podcast is we realized like what I was, what we were missing in this time of COVID was connection with other creatives. I get very, I am easily inspired and I realized how necessary it is for me in my creative process. So I just ask each person that, that ha- we get to have a conversation with, what is your creative process as you define it? And just your trajectory of being a creative in your little life so far. I feel like normally I, I a lot of creative people really think of themselves as artists and I don't. I, I, I tend to have a work ethic that's like a little oscillating, but it's a sort of sloth-like and then it, my ambition comes in fits and starts. So some people, they're like, I'm an artist and I have a process and it's a marathon. I'm not like that. I'm a sprinter. So I'll have like kind of a burst of creativity and work ethic. And then I lay fallow for a while, which for me is necessary to kind of 
sprout the next idea. So I wish I could, you know, flip a switch in my ass and be like, I'm going to get out six chapters of some great book. But, um, that's right now, especially as a mom during the pandemic and like with the household and all that stuff, I feel like it's harder for me to, even though my kids are older and I'm so lucky I don't have toddlers and huggies to change and asses to wipe. Um, I'm in a, such an easier phase of life. Those years were really, really hard for me without a global pandemic with like lockdown. So I probably could, I, I probably could start a book or a screenplay or something. I just don't really have it in me right now. I feel like I can do little things. So I've done, I'm just finished an article for InStyle for the August issue. And I did an essay for um, an anthology that's coming out in October. And I kind of like that sort of 800 word (laughs) um, count. I'm not really in it. I'm sure you guys as creative people saw the meme going around at the beginning of COVID-19 lockdown saying, Shakespeare wrote King Lear in quarantine. Everyone sent it to me. I was like, you. I don't. That's like way too much pressure. How, you. Yeah, I'm going to live through it is what's what my goal is. Yeah, exactly. I'm not going to roll up my sleeves and crap out some magnum opus because I have to stay home. I, I It's like I do feel like you want to be you don't have to be the perfect mother. You want to be a surviving mother. And that's sort of how I feel like as a writer right now. Just survive it. You can you are shaping your perspective as it's happening. But um you know, for me, I feel like that critical thing was the Anne Frank trip, but right before this. So I had perspective. I know a lot of people are so frustrated Mm -hmm. and I totally get that, but I just think we have to feel so lucky. Ditto. Absolutely. And you say you're a sprinter, but I mean, you are truly one of the most prolific people that I know or that's in my life. I don't know if that's really complimenting you and really on all of my other friends, but um, <laughs> you seem to always be well, involved in something. I, I feel like I'm always busy, but usually it's like talking to friends like you or my parents or being with my kids or something like that. I'm not necessarily, my output isn't what it could be, hmm. but I feel like I, okay. I, some part of having children, I think for me at least was I lost a lot of myself. Like I, it was worth it and I'm obsessed with my kids, but I kind of became a little bit diluted as a young mother. And then as they grew up and I had that connection with them, connection with my friends, all of those people kind of get you back to the balsamic reduction of yourself. So I actually think I'm now more in my prime as a writer than I was because there's just more of you to have. And that, that reduction comes in where there's more solidity to your observations, your point of view, everything is crystallize. Yes. Well, jumping, I mean, to like the current creative that you are, have not only, you're not only in habit, but obviously right. And you've been doing these vlogs, Jill, it's <laughs> been, it's been, it's been life giving to me. Uh, Danielle, so nice. Danielle with a Z. No, I'm, I'm a little obsessed with her. Uh, Danielle. I, Danielle, Danielle. I can't even, yeah. Uh, like she would she call you Minzy and there would oh be, a, it would be M-I-N-Z- Z-Y. Minzy. I mean, it's like my uh, Aunt Arlene, uh, who seriously would say, Minzy, Minzy, come over. Minzy, exactly. Yeah. Arlene, um, I love her. Um, yeah, yeah, so so Danielle was, um, she's an old friend of mine. She was in my play that I did at Williamstown Theater Festival that I, um, three years ago, I did a show there that was, 
kind of a cabaret of heavy metal songs from the 80s reappropriated as a middle-aged woman. It was called Stairway to Cabaret. And I sang Motley Crue and Metallica. I have to interrupt you and let people know who aren't seeing us, some will, but some won't, is that Jill also is, I mean, how do you describe your fashion sense? Because I don't want to name it and claim it. I think I know what you'll say. But Oh, the fact- it's actually my mom named it and claimed it. It's Sicilian oh Widow. <laughs> go, if it's, go, go. I, if it's oh not black, God. I don't wear it. She said, you always dress like a Sicilian Widow. You know, it's one of those like, <laughs> would it kill you to have some color? But um. Yeah, I've been sort of told that I'm like Wednesday Adams grown up, but I don't wear pigtails because I don't like adult pigtails. Same. But no, when but I was it, younger, it, I looked like Wednesday. It's the high fashion version as well. Like, <laughs> yeah. lest lest you all be fooled out there, okay? Jill Cargman turns out like nobody's business. Having well, said I was, that, yes. <laughs> I know. I was actually... I'm going to crack out one of my harnesses for you um, for today, but I know that for the YouTube viewers, it's kind of cut off at my head. I feel like I've always been drawn aesthetically, not just with fashion to things that are romantic and violent at the same time. So like, I love a long flowy dress with a black leather harness and buckles over it. I just, I love leather and lace. I love that juxtaposition in art in everything so um yeah you wear it well my darling anyway back to danielle so danielle was in that show and um that was one of the characters and then she was a character in the show that i had actually when i was pitching the show i had lunch with you mindy in la um for snobs which was a show a pilot i sold to ifc which is Mm -hmm. you know gone the way to the dodo yeah so For I now. wanted to kind of keep that character alive. And I did it because a friend of mine said people are really depressed. She was having a really hard time and said, like, this is such a dark time. Why don't you make like funny little videos, you know, to make people laugh? So I literally got it out as like a kind of a joke. I, it was almost just for my friends. And then it took on this weird life of its own and was people from like all over the place thought that that was how I actually talk. They didn't oh know gosh, that it was kidding. me. They weren't, they didn't know Odd Mom out. They hadn't read my book. You know, they thought that was actually me. So all these new followers came, which is funny because I lost so many followers. Um, I think right after Odd Mom out, maybe it was between season two and three, when Trump was elected, I started posting all the shit about him. I remember. And I was hemorrhaging followers. I didn't realize so many Odd Mom out fans were Republicans, but I lost like 75,000 followers Mm -hmm. and people would write like, you, he's good for Israel or whatever the and I just, I didn't care. Um, I was like, good riddance. I don't want you seeing my children. (laughs) So I, I lost all these followers, but they're like, they're, they're coming back for like the weirdest randomest thing that I just like kind of invented. So now I feel she's incredible. I want to keep going through the choir because I feel like it's honestly, it's fun for me. And then a lot of doctors and nurses have written me and said, "What? we have been in hell. We're crying in the hallways. And then we all watch it together. Mm-hmm. And I was just tearing up. I couldn't believe it. I was screenshotting for my mom. <laughs> she was cavelling, but I said, well, if it's, if it's, you know, 58 seconds that can make them laugh, like I'll totally do it and comment on things. So I, it's been fun. I, I weirdly like doing it. And maybe, you know, who knows? I, I feel like it's going to be a year till anything else is happening, or at least till there's a vaccine. So yeah. I may as well keep the creative juices flowing, even if it's for one minute, it's fine. Oh, no, please do so. Please do it's, so. It's effortless. Like I just 
it out. So it's not like oh it's my God. work. It's not like it's work. It's just fun. I was going to ask, is it, is it improv or are you like yeah, writing yourself a, a little outline of things any- you want to tackle or do you just go for it? Um, I just go for it. I just, the only thing that I thought like that was premeditated were answers to questions that people send mm-hmm. me. Then I'll, sure. then I'll think of an answer and then say it. But typically I just, I switch my soul cycle t-shirt and then I just go. <laughs> Verbal diarrhea. I do have to say, like, the wardrobe picks are just spot on, truly. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that because um, I actually don't go to SoulCycle. I quit because they are Trump fundraisers. So I quit. But my original – the original founders, um, Julie and Elizabeth, are friends of mine. And when they still owned it before they sold it to the Knox, they sent me a whole bunch of shirts. And so I was going to throw them out and I just saved them for like, you know, doing whatever around the house. And I'm so glad I did because now I have all of Danielle's athleisure. <laughs> yes. yes. And now her fabulous masks that she wears when you yes. take her out for an outing. Yes, exactly. I just got some for the kids. <laughs> oh my gosh. Did you? Yeah. Jared has three H's. Jared. <laughs> And Natalie, your character from the Facts of Life. Natalie, but it's spelled L-A-Y. Natalie. Jill, I can't. I totally can't. Christian, right. This is amazing, but we'll we'll take a little pause here, do just a little bit of business for our listeners and our, our viewers who are watching us uh, to remind everyone that if you aren't already subscribed to, to our channels, head to mondayswithmindy.com. There's links to hook up with the podcast on every major podcast platform. There's a link to watch it on YouTube and to subscribe on YouTube if you'd like. We appreciate giving a thumbs up if you like what you're seeing and hearing. If you have comments, questions, leave them in the comment section below. Per usual, if you head to mondayswithmindy.com, we'll also have a section featuring our guest, Jim. Jill, telling you a little bit more about her, a place where you can connect with her special character and uh, purchase some of her books if you would like. So if you want more information, you want to connect with her in a bigger way after the show, please go to mondayswithmindy.com and uh, you'll find everything there. And now a word from our sponsor. And seeing as we don't have one yet, <laughs> I've decided to take this opportunity to plug Jill's daily vlog on Instagram. She stars as Danielle, a character originally developed from her show Snobs, brought by IFC, but due to COVID and her executive leaving, that's Well, it's looking and should find a new home immediately. Calling on all networks. Do the right thing. In the meantime, head to at Jill Karkman on Instagram and get your daily dose. You will be so glad you did. Oh, that is such a nice shout out. I love it. You've never, you've never been a sponsor. You're officially now a sponsor I'm of an a, episode a of a podcast. You are. <laughs> so back to it. What are your current interests and obsessions? Do you have any? Okay, my current. Yes. I have my current interests and obsessions revolve around my television. I know we're supposed to limit our children's screen time, but one thing that's <laughs> been amazing for me is re-watching things that were inappropriate for my children when they came out, now appropriate. So, or maybe borderline. But for example, Sadie um, is 17 and we just finished Game of Thrones together, which is like a huge thrill because it's all like cracking skulls and banging Right. And they were little kids. So we, when they would wake up or come in and it was on, we'd be like, no, no, don't come in. You know, so watching it with her was huge. And then we just finished Peaky Blinders, which is my number one favorite show of all time. Ditto. Ditto. Number one. So I just finished that with her, which was great. Um, so we've been, that's sort of been our main, like, 
thrust of the COVID of Rona time is our television. The second thing is I've been, Mindy, you and I have discussed this, but growing up in the 80s, I really, really remember when AIDS hit New York and how my parents lost so many friends and my the fear that was floating around. And I just thought I wanted to reread and the band played on by Randy Schiltz. And I finished it last night. It's like 600 pages. I read it in four days. And it it's weird because I've read it at different... This is my third time reading it. And it's so relevant now, not just because of the pandemic, but the bigotry that we've seen this week That's with high. the police. And just, yes. um, it's really an amazing book for this exact moment. So I highly recommend it. And I actually have gone down this rabbit hole. I was reading PhD papers on it and there were other sources of other books. There's sort of a version in England about this. And I watched How to Survive a Plague again and there's a book version. So I'm just really thinking about that time and seeing how the government stagnation and there, there was such an institutional sloth and yes, on the federal level, there's just on the federal level that is very familiar. And having seen uh, Larry Kramer's play Normal Heart and being able to meet him a couple of times, I, his That's death so was really upsetting to me because I, um, I just feel like he inspired me so much to use his use your voice and speak up. And even if people hate you for it, who the f- cares? Yeah. Do the right thing. Yeah. It, be angry. It's all right. Yeah. Yeah. I really, I, I feel like he inspired me more than probably, I mean, uh, many other writers. Like he is really just to me so amazing. And the fact that he died during another incompetent Republican administration is just heartbreaking to me because he probably died angry, raging at this as we all are. But I guess you know, it, part of his personality was always a fighter. He was, there was that, it, it, it's almost in a way appropriate because that was his whole world was having that kind of backbone and strident voice. Even if it was too noisy for some people, they just didn't get it. And in fact, his biggest critic, as they lay dying, you know, they called him and said, you were right, like keep fighting. I should have been louder because silence equals death. And I think that's exactly what was happening right now um, in the fight after the murder of George Floyd. So mm-hmm. I feel like it's a really good book. You guys should read it. It's my obsession. I, I It's my I probably that. my yeah. top 10 books of all time. Wow. What's your favorite book of all time? Um, it's a tough list. Oh, gosh. I have, t- I have so many. Yeah. Yeah. I'm obsessed with um, – I love I love Pat Conroy's books. I loved Beach Music. I love um, Daniel Silva novels. I love. Um, oh my gosh, you and my father, Jill. I am so obsessed with them. Oh my god, he is too. I read seventeen books in six months. I don't usually do that. Like I went into a K hole, um, but I just love all that. I just read a really great book. It's a biography of Edward Gorey, one of my favorite illustrators. It's called Born to Be Born to Be Posthumous. And it is that. so amazing. I think it's my favorite biography I've ever read. What else? I just read a really good novel, um, Nothing to See Here. It's very funny. Um, it's I I feel like I've been reading more this in the last two years than I got to. I used to read like a few books a year and I've just been tearing through because my kids are older. Like I used to not even have the energy to read a magazine. Um, I would kind of watch The Daily Show and Jimmy Fallon and then pass out. And now I read 
all, all the time. Well, now I really can because I have so much more time. But yeah. um, I think it's so good. I think writers have also put down the pen and read. Mm-hmm. Yes. And Liz, so inspiring. Like, well, so I know you don't call yourself an artist and a creative, but I call you one. <laughs> Takes one to know one in my in my book. Um, and that's the whole point, too, is that part of being a creative is experiencing, right? Movies, film, paintings, museums, travel. I mean, it's all good info. We need yeah. to like take in as much as we output. Jill, has there been a, uh, I don't want to say failure, but I don't know another word, uh, obstacle, uh, a bump in the road that you have learned the most from or that looking back changed the trajectory of your life, your career, whatever? I've had so many that it's crazy. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't even know where to start. Like the rejections, you know, of shows, of scripts that, know. you know, all of that and like putting time into something that never comes to fruition is incredibly frustrating. But I, I feel like when um, I watch the Today Show a lot and Savannah Guthrie was doing before they, when they thought the Olympics were going to happen this summer, they did like a sort of kickoff in January, which seems like ages ago yeah. about like <laughs> learning awesome. about Japan and just doing sort of a cultural keyhole into, into Tokyo where we were going to go. And um, they talked about this expression, which translates to get knocked down seven times, get up eight. And it, we, I kind of remember being like, that's great because it just, when you have a, anything- have a weep over that. Yeah. yeah, I love it. It's just like everyone has failure. Everyone has it and it's what you do with it. And you have to just get up. You can't wallow in it. If I have to name one specific one that changed my trajectory, I would say I got kind of let go from MTV. Not it's what I wasn't fired because I wasn't an employee. I was a freelancer. And right. it's sort of project to project. But I, I wrote like 15 shows there. Um, role. Yeah. Yeah. I had a lot of shows there. And like between 20, when I was 25 to 28, and then I had a baby, I came in. What's weird is that all of my bosses were men and they were all probably like 35-ish and I was 28. So I was younger, but I think MTV in the 80s, 90s, actually it was, it was after, it was not the 90s. It was, I started in the late 90s like 99. And then when I was pregnant in 2002, they thought that that was not cool. Like they, they saw my bump and it didn't feel youthful. It didn't feel on brand. And they were like, you're having a kid. And they never called me again. And I just, I couldn't, you know, I don't think that would happen now. I think the world has changed. But at the time I remember being like, you, you guys are all older than me, but I think they thought I had lost my edge. And I came in with my big stomach and it was weird because New York, um, is the city of kind of rejuveniles. And it was really when like hipster Brooklyn was forming. Mm -hmm. And I just think they thought I had like cobwebs on my ute and just didn't, I don't know. They didn't want anything to do with me. So they never call me again. I had to kind of not use that as a crutch, that job, even though it wasn't lucrative. I felt like I was really busy. So I started writing, I wrote my first book and I wouldn't have probably done that if they had kept calling through like the birth and having a baby and all that. So I'm glad because I, I I had to like divert my attention elsewhere. Well, so am I, because I don't know, the books are so incredible. And what, what makes you decide to write? um, Because a few of your books are, I'll say teen oriented. I don't know what it's like, what do you term them? Yeah, they're they're called young adult. Um, young adult. I wrote sorry. those with my my writer. I I call them team, but they it's the the category is called YA with finger quotes. Yeah. Um. Yes. I would say so. I wrote those with my old writing partner, 
And we had started writing together because we had a screenplay that um, we had co-written and our agent said, well, it's not going to sell. You know, I don't think this is it's but she said her exact words were Betty Bowling Alley in Duluth won't be interested in this New York life. You know, no one between the Hollywood Bowl and Zabar's, as they say. And I said, I beg to differ. Look at, look at, um, you know, Sex and the City and the Nanny Diaries. And she was like, well, those were novels first. It's apples and oranges. So I was like, F- it, let's write it as a novel. So we, we turn it into a novel. We had, you know, a bunch of novels, but I've actually learned you guys, I shouldn't be writing novels. I'm way more into my nonfiction essays about my family, my life, just observations about people. So happy about that. It's so much more me. I think I was I was younger and I was kind of hiding behind characters to say things. And I, I feel so much freer writing about real like as me. So the first book um, was called Sometimes I Feel Like a Nut. That my, It was not even my idea. An editor reached out to me because she had read a few of my articles and said, like, I want you to do a collection of essays, you know, like a memoir. And I said, memoir, you know, I'm 33, whatever I was. (laughs) And how can I write a memoir? And then I got stage three cancer melanoma in my vag and thigh. Yes. So Mm -hmm. I wrote an essay called Tumor Humor about the whole odyssey and I sent it to her and she, I was like, okay, I get it now. Like if I can write in this vein, I think I could cobble together a book for you. And I'm so glad I did. And that she had that faith in me because that really kind of, to me, solidified my voice um, and being able to write as me. That's the only thing I would do now. Otherwise I just would feel hookerish. I've had opportunities to do fiction. And I just feel like if your heart's not in it, then I don't know, I would have felt like a little bit. Yeah, Yeah. I see that. Well, I would like you to pour yourself out a little because I'd like you back on television, but that's just selfish. I don't, it's not if it's the shit that you want to do. You know what I mean? I would love to, I would kill to be back on and have a show again. I mean, I don't know how, I don't know if people are psyched for like a middle-aged woman. My my story on with Odd Mom Out, it was like really expensive, I think, compared to what they were making with the reality show. So who knows? Yeah. Maybe someone will take it's funny, a lot of people ask about sexism and have I encountered sexism? I really haven't. I've just it's been more like that ageism thing. Like starting at twenty eight. Starting at twenty eight when I was pregnant. I think mom the word mom seems kind of unsexy to some people, but I there's a whole it's it's what you make of it. It doesn't have to be like the JC Penny mom jeans with a tapestry vest. Right. Right, right. Although that was the last character I was gonna play, so <laughs> <laughs> but thanks for that. <laughs> what is what does your relationship with Harry do for you? So much. I got I got to listen to the toast that you made uh for his birthday. Oh, I was so glad you were there. And that made me very happy. There is this thing, and I think I know we're only on episode three, but people understand I am just a terminal romantic. And your relationship with Harry and and I I like practical romance, meaning in real life like your parents, like my parents, real relationship. And you and Harry have one of those relationships and it's magical to be around. And I I adore you and I really like him. I mean, I have love for Harry. He loves you too. An incredible, incredible couple, but your relationship is quite special. Thank you, Mindy. I am the luckiest person. First of all, it's when you said that about practical, I was, I want to show you my necklace. It's from Barney's May at Rest, (laughs) R.I.P. It says love. And oh my it's God. Made, is that, is that a Kathy Waterman? Yeah. And it's That's made really out of, scary it's, that made I know out, that. 
It's your good eye, girl. Um, it's made out of thorns, and that's why I loved it. Everyone has love necklaces that are made in script, like right. script that little diamonds. Uh, yeah. To me, this is more emblematic of what love is. It's the thorny, the good and the bad. Um, I will tell you, when I met you, I was back in my honeymoon mode of my marriage. I had a really hard time when, when I had three little kids yeah. under four. And yeah. I would say for about three years, as much as I loved Harry, I felt so lonely just because I was up all night. I was exhausted. And I love my kids. It was worth it. But those were really hard years for me. And I almost feel like I, I relied on my parents. You're not alone. Yeah. yeah. But I felt, al- I felt alone. When I met you, I was already be- like we had come out of it. And we always used to say to each other, like, we got through that. Like it really was, they call it seven year itch, but I also think it usually times with having young children. Um, I think it's also called intimacy building. Cause if you don't go through things like that with someone and then you come out on the other side, I mean, the, the deepening of that trust and love, I don't know. I feel like it comes back twofold. Totally. That's exactly right. So I feel like there's no one else that I think I could go through all of this with. And he really is my best friend again. Whereas he wasn't, I feel like during those years, he wasn't truly my best friend. Like my best friend was Vanessa and my parents. But I think when I got married, because my parents have kind of a traditional marriage, I felt like, okay, Harry's going to be my everything, my whole world. And so then, you know, it doesn't, that's not really realistic. And yeah, for any of us. So I just, I I had other supplemental relationships that like reinforced my identity and feeling like okay I can I don't have to pour everything on him I can go to other people but I really feel lucky cuz he is just the best guy and he talks me down like nothing bothers him so I mean of course things bother him like politically socially mm-hmm. but he doesn't lose his cool whereas I flip out and he just right. stays very calm so he is a really good balance to me. I'm so lucky. I also love that he is your biggest fan. I mean, that he's not only not threatened by your success, but he can't wait for the next one. I mean, it, it's it's a support and an encouragement that supersedes just having a partner. It's He's a real fan. I mean, I, mean, I, think, he, I think he laughs harder at you than anybody else. I know, I'm so lucky. Myself. He's a good audience, but yeah. he's like tech, you know, he's like geek chic, as I call him. He's computer yeah. science major at Harvard and like is very tech oriented. I don't actually fully get what he does. I mean, I sort of do, but um, I think it's good that we have such different jobs. I I think it would maybe be harder. Otherwise, I don't know. A lot of people say that to me, but which leads me to believe people who do the same thing sometimes get like competitive or threatened, but we're in such different fields. I am salivating and waiting for my Harry, just to say. We've talked about that before and I I, I don't want Harry, but I want my Harry. you're, yep. Yeah. He's coming I, down the pike. I'm always have my binoculars. I'm on husband safari for Mindy. Oh my God. I know. It's Same. kind of the first thing we talked about. Yeah. It's the kind of the first thing we talked about. It's like, and you are now going to find me a husband. Thanks exactly. for playing. I'm good at that. Yeah. No, I've set up all these people. Oh no, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Is that a hidden skill? Yeah. You know, sometimes I don't know, Christian, like I sort of feel like I, it's a shot in the dark. Mm. Like you just never really know if right, they'll hit it right. off. But I feel like, if you don't try and just set them up, the worst thing that can happen is that they have like 
drink. Who cares? Right. Like you just get to meet people. But I think a lot of people could do it. It's just that I actually do it and say like, hey, will you meet my friend? Yeah. Or, you know, Mindy's come to my dinner parties. I have like casual dinner parties all the time. And yeah. I'll just have both of them come and seat them next to each other and they hit it off. And now there's children. I have like all these little godchildren <laughs> that we are here because I made their parents phone. <laughs> That's no, amazing. It's the best. It's the best. I retired myself. I had, you know, it's like always a, never a bride, always a bridesmaid, never a mother, always a godmother, as you know, my story. I mean, so it's like, I'm now, tur- I'm now stopping that. It's now receiving time. I'm it ready. It is receiving time. You've That's earned right. it. Yes. Thank you. Jill, I want to thank you. Thank you are you. such a light in my life. You are so brilliant. I, outside of Harry, I'm your big, and maybe your mom and dad, your biggest fan. Oh, Mindy, you're the I best. I can't wait to see what you create next and it better, I have better have a part in it. That's all I got to say. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Are you kidding? I, we, we would have so much on a set together. Yeah. And I, really, I would love you to be my boss. I love that whole idea of having like your pack of friends that you work with again and again. I just think it shows like the energy is more palpable. I love all those Christopher Guest movies. And yeah. I yeah. don't know. I love that whole squad mentality. Agreed. Agreed. So I, I am coming eastbound soon and I will I will see you in person. I can't soon. wait to hug you post-Rona. Ditto. post <laughs> Oh God. And in the meantime, I will just be watching your your vlog ever so religiously. I'm here for you and Christian. Thank you. Thank you. you. Stay strong. Thank you, Jill. It was great having you. We'll talk to you soon. All right, Mindy, that was another great show with our very special guest, Jill Cargman. Hilarious, to say the least. Hilarious and a very bleepy show. (laughs) That's correct. Uh, You know, I think people can use their imagination to figure out, they can read between the lines, let's say that much. Uh, and just real quickly want to say again to all of our, our guests and all of our viewers and all of our listeners, thank you very much for sticking with us. We appreciate yeah. you coming along on this journey with us. Head to mondayswithmindy.com for links to our guests' information, where you can find her show, her books, all that good stuff, as well as other information about us and our show. Hopefully you stick around, subscribe, and stay with us. I wanted to just end on the note saying that there's a lot of conversations going on right now throughout the world, and we're very thankful to be among them and hope that... Yeah. Our little conversations bring a little bit of light and happiness and uh, inspiration into your days. So thanks for sticking with us. We look forward to seeing you next week. Bye, everybody.